Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Tuesday, June the 2nd, and uh, looking forward to serving the Lord today, as I trust you are as well. I want to say thank you to everybody who participated in acknowledging my birthday yesterday. It was a wonderful day. Had some uh, great fun and great surprises. Thank you for all the kind cards and texts and uh, gifts. Uh, tremendous blessing. I feel, uh, honestly feel very blessed to have uh, friends like you and to be blessed to pastor a church family that is kind and considerate. And uh, I want to share with you one of the cards I got uh, yesterday. Uh, you'll like this. Um, you can see it there. Uh, this cat does not look happy. Let's see how I can get that straight. There you go. Cat does not look very happy. And it says, no animals were harmed during the making of this birthday card. However, the, the, the photographer is in serious but stable condition in the hospital. <laughs> so that made me smile. That was uh, cute. And uh, thank you for that. Um, I just wanted to uh, say that, uh, you know, through the course of our lifetime, we have a lot of things that are said to us, things that we read, things that we hear, and sometimes things that we think of ourselves that are inspirational. And uh, a couple of things that are familiar that I want to remind you of today is be yourself, someone said. Everyone else is already taken. And that's a, that's a great thing to think about. Uh, we're all the time trying to be like someone else. And yet we were made the distinct and individual. So just be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. I guess that kind of goes back to what we learned in Sunday school uh, on Sunday uh, from uh, the story that uh, Mrs. Knorr read to us. And then someone else has said and observed, be the change that you want to see in the world. You know, in, in today's world, and especially what we're witnessing taking place uh, south of the border in the United States, you know, there's a lot of people that, that think things need to change, but they're not being the change that they want to see. Uh, they are just continuing uh, the things that they want to see changed, perpetuating them by their own actions. So today... As we go through our day, think about what, what is it that you'd like to see changed in, in people, uh, the way people treat each other, the way people react, um, the way people serve the Lord, uh, the way people speak and act. And whatever you'd like to see, do it. Doesn't, the, doesn't our God teach us that whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap? Doesn't the Bible teach the principle that you give and it shall be given unto you? So be the change that you want to see take place in the world. Another well-known phrase, but I think is worth repeating every single day, is the advice, live, as it, live today as if you were gonna die tomorrow. Mm. You know, the, 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 the impetus behind that, the forcefulness behind that, lies in the truth that we could die tomorrow. We could die today. Man dies in a thousand different ways. And much of the time, it's totally unexpected, totally un, uh, un, uh, no, no sign of warning. So if we're going to live today as if we were to die tomorrow, that means that if you're going to hug somebody today, hug them like you mean it, like you may never get to hug them again. 
if you're going to say I love you, say it from a heart that means it. So they are convinced and they know. You understand what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, it's hard for us to do that because we, we, we get to the point where we just count on everything. And we think, you know, it's going to be the same, same old, same old, you know. I have time to make things right. I have time to do that. No, you don't. So live today as if this were your last day, if you were going to die tomorrow. And recently I was reminded of a quote by uh, Churchill, Winston Churchill, back in the days of the World War. Very, very crucial for us to, to believe, especially in spiritual warfare and in service for the, for the Lord. He said, success is never final. How many times, someone else said, how many times have you observed that today the world has turned over on top of those who sat on top of the world yesterday, right? So uh, you, you could be a success today, but you can't rest in that and assume that that the, the, the enemy's not going to stop coming. And in the Bible, we, we see all the time, um, the Philistines uh, uh, came again into the land of Israel, or there was yet again war with Israel, again and again. So he said, success is never final, and failure is never fatal. Wise words. Mm. We're going to fail, <laughs> for sure. Uh, I do it often. In, in, we resolve, and, and as we learn from our study of Romans chapter 7, uh, we have this law in our heart. We want to do right. We, we, we are attempting to go somewhere, but we, we trip up, we fall, because we have this sin nature. Well, let's remember that that's never fatal. Get back up. The righteous man falls seven times and rises up again. And then Churchill said, after telling us, reminding us that success is never final and failure is never fatal, he said... The courage to continue is what counts. The courage to continue. I mean, to keep going, keep working, keep laboring, don't quit, and to believe. And, and really, what's that all, all? The summary of all of that is faith. Faith. God wants us to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. So this is not my message, by the way. I was just trying to give you some quotes or thoughts that might... Uh, uplift you, might encourage you, might inspire you in some way. Uh, we're going to go back to blessed is he that considered the poor in a few moments. But uh, before we do that, Brother Tricky and I are going to sing a couple of songs to you. And again, I don't think they're unfamiliar. You probably will recognize them. You're welcome to join us. The first is called Heaven Came Down and Glory Filled My Soul. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day, day I will never forget. After I've wandered in darkness away, Jesus my Savior I met. Oh, what a tender, compassionate friend, he met the need of my heart. Shadows dispelling with joy I am telling, he made all the darkness depart. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Born of the Spirit with life from above, into God's family divine, justified fully through Calvary's love, 
Oh, what a standing is mine. And the transaction so quickly was made when as a sinner I came. Took of the offer of grace he did proffer. He saved me, oh, praise his dear name. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. Now I hope that will surely endure after the passing of time. I have a future in heaven for sure, there in those mansions sublime. And it's because of that wonderful day when at the cross I believed. Riches eternal and blessings supernal from his precious hand I received. Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. When at the cross the Savior made me whole. My sins were washed away, and my night was turned to day. Heaven came down, and glory filled my soul. And now we're going to sing, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. Much the same idea. What a wonderful day in our chorus book, Since Jesus Came Into My Heart. What a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart. Floods of joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart, I shall go there to dwell in that city I know. Since Jesus came into my heart, and I'm happy, so happy as onward I go. Since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into my heart, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll. Since Jesus came into my heart. Amen. All right, well, um, <laughs> You might by, may, might be able to identify with this, especially if you are a man. Well, I assume if you're a married person, period, man or woman. My wife said something to me yesterday. She said, you weren't even listening to me, were you? And I thought to myself, that's a pretty weird way to start a conversation. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't been there and done that? All right. Well, there's our smile for the day, hopefully. All right. Psalm chapter number 41 once again. Psalm 41. Uh, I trust again that you are um, doing your best to read the scriptures. And by the way, I, I received a, uh, a note 
I think it was yesterday, from someone who uh, was expressing that they don't read the Bible as often as they know they should or maybe feel they should. And I got, this, I got the feeling that they were suggesting maybe um, what I'm doing in challenging you to read the scripture was leaving them somewhat with a feeling of guilt or um, that, that they were not doing right because they weren't reading the scripture regularly. And I really want to address that for just a moment. Um, you and I need to know, and I hope you'll always know this, when the preacher preaches, uh, I'm preaching what I believe to be truth, and I am setting a, a, a goal, as it were, for you to shoot at. I'm giving you um, truths that I believe will be helpful, but I want you to know that the God you serve, the God who created you, uh, the God who um, observes you, is your strength and your help the one you need? He looks not on the outward appearance, but he looks on the heart. And I assure you that you can go through the entire day without once taking time to open the pages of the Bible and read God's word and still have a God in heaven that is pleased with you. He loves you. He's not angry with you. He's not grieved with you. He understands. It's a matter of the heart. If, you, if in your heart you love the word of God and you love to hear from God and you love to hear preaching, uh, from the Word of God and preaching that, that uh, teaches you about God. He knows that, and he is well pleased. We, we need to be so very careful. I've done this all my life, uh, uh, struggled with the, the attitude of the Pharisee, uh, the one who, who looks at the law and is just strict and unyielding and, and believes that you know, there's no way you could be spiritual if you don't read the Bible every day. You know, if you, if you take one step more than you're supposed to take on the Sabbath day, uh, you deserve to die. You understand what I'm saying? The spirit, that attitude, that's not God. God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But when Jesus did things unexpectedly on the Sabbath day, what did he say? The Sabbath was made for man. And, and, and I'm just trying to help you understand. I don't want anybody to, to take what I'm challenging you to do and encouraging you to do. And, and I don't want it to become a, a whipping, uh, uh, I don't, whipping post or a stumbling block in where, where you're made to feel now you know, less of a Christian uh, or afraid that if Pastor McLean knew how little I read the scripture or, or that I didn't have my scripture reading today or I'm not following the plan, uh, he would disapprove or he would be disappointed. No, that's not true. I want you to know that, that your heart, your love for the Lord, your heart desire, it's all about your heart and being the best that you can be, doing the best you can. And uh, the Lord understands our weakness. He really does. He knows our frailty, and he understands how easily we get distracted. He understands uh, how easily we get burdened and weighed down, and we can't read the Psalms without understanding uh, that uh, happening in the lives of the psalmist. So I just wanted to make that observation. So again, we're reading in uh, this uh, month in the book of Acts, which means today we'd be reading Acts chapter 2, 
What a wonderful chapter uh, when the Holy Spirit uh, comes to indwell the believers, the disciples uh, there on the day of Pentecost and, and uh, preaching is done and people are under conviction and 3,000 souls uh, are added to the saints, added to the number of believers that day. And then the record of how they uh, had everything in common, how it changed uh, their view of life and how they uh, began a disciplined habit of, of fellowshipping together and continuing together in the things of the Lord. And then, of course, if you're reading John uh, chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, you'd be in chapter 15 today, and uh, you'd be learning again about uh, God's promises regarding uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of his people. So they kind of correspond together. So I hope that's a blessing to you. But we're in Acts chapter 2 and verse 40, 41. We've been considering the blessed man, the man that's happy uh, according to biblical description. And we read in verse 1 yesterday of Psalm 41, blessed is he that considereth the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive. And he shall be blessed upon the earth. And thou wilt not deliver him unto the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him upon the bed of languishing. But thou wilt make all his bed in sickness. So uh, yesterday I pointed out that the word for poor here is a word which doesn't necessarily have to do with money or possessions, material things. It has to do with weakness. It has to do with, uh, with hanging on, as it were, by a thread dangling, uh, blowing about. Uh, the idea is a, a lack of strength and weakness. And, and David confessed to that uh, in the, the verses preceding it. In chapter number 40, he talks about his uh, being poor and needy and asking the Lord to make haste upon him. And he said, the Lord thinketh upon me. And immediately then he says, blessed is he that considereth the poor because you're godlike. That's godliness. Now, I wanted to, this morning again to uh, reiterate what this word blessed means. Uh, I, I want you, when I, when I tell you that the Bible is saying that the secret of happiness is these things that we're reading clearly in Scripture, don't think of happiness in, the, in, the, in, in, in a terms of giddiness, you know, the, the happy clappy type of, of atmosphere or attitude. That, uh, you know, we're always dancing around and, and uh, I've often talked to you about you, you ought to dance a little bit. You ought to, to jig a little bit when you, when you get overwhelmed with the truth of God. But, but clearly the, one, the ones from whom we're learning these truths about the blessed man, the psalmists, do they not can tell us again and again about their sighing, about their singing, about their sorrows, about their struggles? They surely do. So to be, to be happy is not a matter of circumstances. I guess I would put it this way. It's not, it's not a matter of quantity, but quality. It's not a matter of how many times you laugh and how often you're smiling, but when you're laughing and when you're smiling, how real is it? Is it shallow? Is it a show? Or is it real? Are you singing? Are you joyful? Because you are stable. You are secure. Uh, you have strength. You have confidence. 
you uh, are sensing and feeling and experiencing the presence of God in your life. That's what it means to be blessed. The, the true happiness, real happiness, doesn't mean you're always going to be smiling. It means you can be judged to be blessed or happy even when you're, the tears are flowing because you have hope, because you have assurance, because you are rooted in Christ. I, I, I just, again, was thinking that I, I don't want you to get the wrong impression and, and again, uh, feel that you're falling short somehow. So we've learned, according to Scripture, that blesses the man who delights in the law of the Lord and is Law doth he meditate day and night. Blesses the man whose, whose uh, transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, uh, and, uh, and whose iniquities are not imputed unto him. And uh, we've learned blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust or who trusts in the Lord. And now we're learning blessed is the man that considers the poor. Now, I already know I'm going to run out of time, so we'll probably come back again. But I want you to think with me again. There are at least three words in the Hebrew language that have to do with poor. And sometimes it's a word referring to somebody who's needy in terms of physical want. Maybe doesn't have food, doesn't have shelter, um, has a, a debt that he cannot pay, cannot satisfy. Uh, so, so needy. But there's also the idea of being weak. Uh, of, and of course, if you're weak, you're needy. What do you need? You need strength. So they all really tie together, but they kind of they kind of focus on different areas. Uh, but the, but the Bible says that God's blessing rests upon the one who considers the poor. So what does it mean to consider? Well, it means to think on, to notice, not to not overlook. It doesn't mean that that the blessing only comes to the person who always gives to the poor. Again, I, I don't know that I have time to, to deal with this uh, thoroughly, but there are people who are poor because they refuse to work. Poverty and slothfulness are two different things. And the Bible often speaks about the slothful. And the Bible says if a man will not work, he should not eat. And so there are times when when we might give to the poor. Now, if our heart is pure and, and our motive is right, and we do it in the name of the Lord and to please the Lord because we don't know the circumstances, that's fine. We're honoring the Lord and the Lord is pleased. But if we know somebody refuses to work and, and, and so we consider the poor, why, why are they poor? Why are they, in, why are they in need? How did they get there? Could I someday be there? You know, success is never final, we said this morning. And so where they are, I might one day be. It might become a reality for me. So consider the poor. Do they want to be there? If I'm thinking about the poor, I'm thinking about how do they feel? How did they get there? Do they want to be there? Would I want to be there if I was them? If I was them, would I be, help, would, would I be desirous of help? How would I feel if someone didn't notice me, walked by as if they didn't care, had the means to be a blessing to me and didn't do it. This is, this is all wrapped up in considering the poor. You know, um, in the book of Isaiah chapter 1, I think it's verse number 3, God says that the ox knoweth his owner and the ass his master's crib. 
In other words, when the ox is hungry, when the ass is, is, uh, is in need, they know where to go. But then he said, my people Israel doth not know, my people doth not consider. What he's saying is that, that the problem I have with my people is they don't think. They don't think about me. They don't realize that everything that they need on a daily basis, I have provided. I'm their creator. I'm the one who made all the things in the earth, and I own all of that, and I can distribute that and give that. They don't look to me. They, they look to others. They go to other gods, and they go to one another, and my people Israel doth not know they do, do not consider. Oh, what a tragic thing. We don't consider God. Well, God wants us to consider the poor. There's so many scriptures I want to take you to, but uh, I'm going to have to be a little choosy. Yesterday, I gave you Proverbs chapter four, uh, chapter 19 and verse 17. And, and you really ought to take note of that. Jot it down, Proverbs 19, 17. He that hath pity on the poor lendeth to the Lord. And the Lord wrote scripture through the, the pen of men, and the Lord wrote these words, the borrower's servant to the lender. And so if you're lending to the Lord, that makes the Lord the borrower, and the borrower becomes the servant to you, God. So the verse says, He that hath pity on the poor lendeth to the Lord, and that he hath given, he will give him again. God will bless you for giving to the poor. But there's another verse in Proverbs. I can't quote it. I want to take you to it. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 31. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 31. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his master. Whoops. I didn't read it right, did I? He that reproacheth the poor or oppresseth the poor reproacheth who? His maker. His own maker. If I, if I oppress the poor, I'm reproaching my maker. And I'm reproaching his maker. God made him as well as he made me. In the words of um, the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church that were struggling with the issue of judging each other and, and uh, fussing over things, he said, who made you to differ from another? Wasn't it God? What do you have that you did not receive? God made you, and God gave to you, and all you have is a gift. And if you've received that which you have, why do you boast as if you didn't receive it? Why do you act toward others as if you are the originator of all your blessings and not God? That's what he was saying. And so let's be warned that the poor has a maker as well as you have a maker. And if you oppress the poor, you reproach your maker and his maker. But... The verse goes on to say, this is Proverbs 14, 31. He that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. Honoreth who? Honoreth his maker. If you honor the maker, you are going to have mercy on the poor. Let's look at every human being on planet earth in comparison to God alone. So consider with me the richest, the richest, mightiest man on earth. 
the man or woman who's less needy than anyone else on planet Earth. In comparison to, to God, are they rich or poor? They're poor. Did God have mercy on them and allowing them to, number one, have life? Number two, to be in a position to become wealthy and to obtain all the things that really belong alone to God? In other words, his maker had mercy on him. And when you and I honor our maker, we have mercy on the poor. We're recognizing that without him, we would have nothing. We too are poor. And everything we have comes from his gracious hand. I'm going to take you to two other scriptures. Psalm chapter 33. Psalm chapter 33. And verse 13 is where I'll begin. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There's that word considereth again. He thinks about it. He takes thought. He looks at them. He made them all the same. He looks down upon them and considereth what they're doing. There is no king saved by the multitude of a host. Doesn't matter how large his army is how powerful his arsenal is. He's not saved by that. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Listen carefully. Behold the eye of the Lord, the one who's considering all men. The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy, to deliver their soul from death. And to keep them alive in famine, our soul waiteth for the Lord, for he's our help and shield. Do you know there is a kind of poverty that's spiritual? It's called poverty of spirit. Didn't Jesus say, blessed are the poor in spirit? He did, Matthew chapter 5. And the one when God looks down and he sees the rich man or the poor man in terms of this world's goods, he considers and saves and delivers the one who's poor of spirit. So what's the Lord doing? He's considering the poor. And so therefore we honor him when we consider the poor. You understand? If I want and appreciate that God has been that way with me, I need to be that way with those others that he has created. One more scripture, Zechariah chapter 7 I, uh, I was reading in Zechariah recently and preparing some of the messages that I've been preaching uh, regarding judgment and, and, uh, and the plague and so forth. And uh, this morning, uh, this scripture was brought to my attention. Uh, and, and I saw it and I thought, I, I want to use that. And uh, so Zechariah chapter 7 and verse number 8, the word of the Lord came unto Zechariah saying, Watch now, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassion every man his brother. There's a verse that needs to be preached 
from the East Coast to the West Coast, from the southern border to the northern border of the United States right now. Every single human being, man, woman, boy, or girl, black, yellow, brown, red, or white, it doesn't matter, needs to hear, execute true judgment. Judgment according to truth. Not execute because somebody's poor or somebody's rich or, or somebody did right or somebody did wrong. Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. Do you know the Bible says it's of the Lord's compassions that we're not consumed? Do you know why I'm alive today? you know why I'm breathing at 66 years and one day old? You know why? God's mercy. You think I deserve to have made it this far? You're wrong. God's been merciful, and his compassions fail not. And that's what God wants you to be and I to be, every man to his brother. Listen, verse 10, and we're done. And oppress not the widow, nor the fatherless, the stranger, nor the poor. And let none of you imagine evil against your brother in your heart. Two ways to see that, imagining evil against your brother in your heart. Number one, in your heart, imagine that he is evil and means evil and his purpose to do evil. Maybe he's oppressed. Maybe he's hurting. Maybe he's desperate. But it also means we should not be in our heart imagining that we are the judges and that we're the one to administer justice, that we're the one to take vengeance on our brother. We're not to imagine evil against our brother in our heart. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. It's our job to do our best to learn the facts and judge righteously without regard to color of skin, without regard to the amount of money in the bank, without regard to any other socioeconomic status. We're to judge true judgment, judgment according to truth. And you know what? You and I don't know the truth, but God knows the truth. He fashioned every heart alike, and he's up in heaven looking down. As we just read in Psalm 33, he knows what's going on. And he will deliver or destroy according to truth. It's our job to consider the poor. It's our job to be righteous and true in judgment. It's easy <clears throat> to take the poor and render a favorable judgment to them just because they're poor. But the Bible doesn't give us that right. It, Poverty and wealth are, are not uh, signs of somebody being right or wrong. A poor man can be wrong or right, and a rich man can be wrong or right. Judgment needs to be according to truth, and God alone declares what's true and what's right. So again, what will make a man or a woman stable, strong, calm, uh, have that attitude called blessedness or happiness. Not giddiness, not silliness, not frivolity, but calm, peaceful, assurance, 
hope, joy in the midst of whatever's happening. Well, one of the things that the Bible says will do that is the consideration of the poor. May the Lord, by his spirit within us, give us understanding that we might profit in such a way. Thanks again for listening this morning. Pastor Tricky and I are going to uh, end with singing another song. And uh, this one is one I think that has become a favorite of so many people, especially uh, during times like these. Um, and that is, His Eye is on the Sparrow. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Let not your heart be troubled, his tender word I hear, and resting on his goodness, I lose my doubts and fears. Though by the path he leadeth, but one step I may see, his eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Whenever I am tempted, whenever clouds arise, when songs give place to sighing, when hope within me dies, I draw the closer to him, from care he sets me free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Amen. I hope you know that and have that confidence today. I'm going to ask Pastor Tricky, if he would, uh, to close our time together in prayer. Father, thank you today that uh, we can still come and we can open your word and we can give consideration to what is said, Lord, and your spirit can work and move in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be mindful of how we uh, consider those in need, consider the poor, consider the hungry. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bolster our faith in you, Lord, that we may be a better example of Christ likeness, Lord, Amen. that we would show uh, your love to the lost and dying world around us. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to be empty of self. Lord, that pride would be abased and uh, we would humble ourselves before you under your mighty hand. Yes. Pray that you would direct us this day in the decisions that we make and the things that we do. Lord, I pray for the situation that we're facing 
particularly uh, in the United States with what's going on down there. It's heart-wrenching to see uh, so much division and so much violence and so much uh, hatred. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help the Christians, those that are saved, and particularly in those uh, communities, that you'd help them to, to step up to the plate, Lord, that they would shine your light to them, Lord, that the gospel would be propagated, people would be saved, lives would be changed, Lord. Thank you, and get, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.